Hello, and welcome to Burbriety, the podcast about sobriety, mental health, and wellness for men, women, and the men and women who love them. I'm your host, Derek Bolin. Let's brober up. Hello, everyone. Happy New Year. Welcome to episode six of Bobriety, the podcast about sobriety, mental health and wellness for men, women and the men and women who love them. Uh, New Year, new us. It's a new look for the podcast. Um, Some sad news. Unfortunately, uh, co-host Scott Graham, who's been a longtime co-host on the show, uh, formerly when it was Club Soda Club and now as Bobriety has decided to leave the show for personal reasons. Um, you know, Scott's a a fantastic guy. He is a strong advocate for sobriety and men's mental health and fighting toxic masculinity in all its forms. And we do wish Scott the absolute best on the next chapter in his journey. And hopefully at some point we can get him back on the show to check in and, and see what he's been up to since he left. So Scott, wishing you all the best, man. But, you know, the show must go on. We've had some fantastic conversations with some really incredible dudes so far. And I think it's important that we're having these conversations and and getting this out there. So I'm going to continue to produce Brobriety in uh, biweekly or semi-weekly or infrequent episodes and look forward to bringing you guys some interviews with some really fantastic human beings. One of which we have the pleasure of having on this episode. I was lucky enough to get in touch with Joshua Bihari. Um, Joshua is a project manager for Heads Up Guys, which is a depression resource that provides men with information and practical tips to manage and prevent depression in men. They operate out of the University of British Columbia right here in Vancouver, and they're doing very important work. Joshua has a really interesting story himself. When he was 22 years old, he attempted suicide by um, jumping off a bridge after falling nine stories, breaking a lot of bones. He miraculously survived. And after he recovered, he decided he wanted to dedicate his life to helping men break the stigma around mental health which I think is a very important conversation that we, everyone should absolutely be having. So just a heads up content warning for this episode. We do discuss suicide and depression uh, and suicidal ideation. So just wanted to let you know, and I am proud to introduce Josh Bihari. Josh, thanks so much for joining us today. We're going to start off with our standard question that we usually ask our guests, and that is, who is Joshua Bihari? Yeah, I noticed that was a standard question. It's a big one, though, so I don't know how to answer it. But, uh, um, well, a little bit about me, just, like, born and raised in Vancouver. Um, went through, like, a pretty tough period with depression about 10 years ago. And coming out of that and, uh, yeah, getting better and getting my life sort of back on track was kind of like the impetus for me to start working in the mental health field. And then now I've been working on uh, Heads Up Guys, which is a men's mental health website at UBC for the last like five, six years. Amazing. Um, because this is uh, ostensibly a podcast about masculinity and, uh, and for men, um, yeah. we usually like to talk to people a little bit about like what, what your earliest ideas of, of what a man was um, and who or what influenced that. Um, I guess a lot of it would just be like cartoons and, and 
and like comic books and action heroes and the, the he yeah, man and, and stuff, and like, stuff that. like that yeah or like james bond batman stuff like that which is not really it's probably what like fed into me not reaching out and stuff because all those kind of like well not really, like really role models but they shape like your view of what it is to be like a strong tough man and they never reach up they always figure things out on their own you know yeah exactly you don't see james bond uh asking for help too too often yeah yeah so can you tell us a little bit about heads up guys which is the organization you work with sure so heads up guys is a uh website resource dedicated to helping men uh, fight depression so it's a pretty unique resource because there aren't really many yeah many mental health resources at all really even worldwide that are dedicated to men um and there's a few different reasons why we do that but one of the major stats is that uh, 75 to 80 percent of suicides are actually men and a big reason of that is because of depression and um a reason why guys don't get help for depression is because a lot of guys sort of get held up by all the sort of stereotypes about being being a man that prevent them from reaching out. So our website's kind of like addressing those stereotypes, but then also talking in really kind of like plain, practical, tip-type language, like here's something that you can do. Um, we also have like a stress or a self-check on it, so you can do like a screening tool for depression, uh, which can be really helpful. And we also like from seeing the scores on that, we know that we're actually getting like the average score is like almost test, almost screening for depression. So we know we're actually getting to our audience as well, which is really cool. Uh, and we launched about five years ago. Um, yeah, we like slowly been building traffic since getting like attention and stuff. So it's actually, it's gone like really well, like way better than I hope. Like over the last year, we averaged like, I don't know, 60,000 visits a month type of thing. Um, you got to think this is definitely a, a year that maybe more more people than standard have been struggling with depression or at least acknowledging that that they do need the help. Yeah, I think a lot of people are going through extra, yeah, extra stress, yeah, to say the least, yeah. Yeah, that's an understatement. Yeah, yeah. So when you were, you touched on it a bit in your introduction, but yeah. you said about 10 years ago, you had your own struggles with depression. Can you kind of tell us a, about that and, and where that took you? Sure. Uh, so I guess I was, yeah, heading into my like final year of university. Um, and then I was doing a work term at the time. And I started to get more and more stressed out. And at first I just thought, yeah, like, I don't know, maybe I'm becoming kind of moody or something, you know? And I didn't really recognize like some of the symptoms that I was experiencing, like increased stress and having difficulty sleeping and like low energy levels and things like that as being signs of, of depression or even like that they could get worse, really. Uh, I just kept on thinking, I'll figure my way out of this. I'll figure out what I want to do with my career, figure out what I want to do with that, and then I'll feel better. Um, which didn't work. So, so basically like I went back to school and things got worse, uh, a lot worse before they ended up getting better. But yeah, so it was a big journey trying to like figure out, well, there was a whole bunch of like major sort of steps and turning points. So one was me, like when I became too sick, basically to hide what was going on. Uh, that's when I eventually did reach out to friends and family. So that was a big turning point. Cause then instead of having a whole bunch of people that I was hiding things from, I actually had like supports on my side and everybody was a lot, yeah, a lot more understanding than I thought they would be and a lot more supportive than I thought they'd be. Uh, 
which makes sense kind of because when you're in like that really dark place, you're only imagining like the worst reactions from people. You're not imagining that they'll, yeah, they'll try to support and understand you. And then one of the next big kind of turning points was when I went to see my doctor for the first time, uh, like about, about depression. Um, and she gave me like a screening tool to fill out, which is actually the same screening tool. It's a very standardized one that we have on the Heads Up Guys website. I remember just going through and ticking off like the worst option for, for all the boxes. Every box, and yeah. That's kind of like when it really hit me, like, oh shit, something a lot more serious than me just feeling sad or me just feeling stressed is going on. Like this is, this is not normal, you know? So that was really like a bit of an awakening experience. Yeah. Then I guess the next major turning point was just, yeah, kind of believing in myself and figuring trusting my ability to go through like all the steps like and work on everything and that I would actually lead towards my recovery because at first I didn't really believe things would get better uh, so I just kind of was going through the motions and I was still doing like everything that they were rec- recommended but I didn't have like a end goal in sight but once I started just kind of like trusting in the process a bit more then when I, I did start to get a little better I felt like okay this is step one what can I do next and then not like a straight linear path towards recovery. Uh, it's always a bit up and down, but you could, I could see, yeah, progress over like a couple months span. And then that kind of just gave me more fuel to be like, okay, I have a bit more energy now. What, what's the next step I can do? Maybe I can work on getting a bit more physical activity in now, or maybe I can, I don't know, manage to meet up with my friend to go for a walk, things like that. I think that's an important point that you make about recovery, whether it's for for depression or substance abuse, that a lot of people have this expectation that it's going to be this completely linear thing and that there are never any setbacks. And I think, you know, especially if you are depressive or prone to negative self-talk or or just down on yourself, that that can really hit you hard if there are any setbacks in in that journey. How did you kind of manage those along the way and keep your eyes focused on on just getting better? Uh, well, I think at first I didn't really. So like whenever I got to one of those kind of like, I don't know, like we think of them kind of in terms of like turning points. So then I thought like, Oh, like I figured it out now I'll get better. But then you certainly start to realize like it's depression isn't something you can like just figure out, you know, it's like a serious illness. that's going to take a while to get, to get better. You can't just like change your thinking from one day to the next. So, um, just kind of realizing, yeah, that I was, like in it for the long haul type of thing. And this would take a bunch of time, but that I was still like on track doing all the things I could working on like all my sort of self-care things. And I was going to therapy and I started medication. And for everyone listening, Josh has, has documented the story of his, his suicide attempt on the heads up guys website. And it's, it's pretty hard hitting to know what you went through. Was that kind of the, the ultimate turning point for you? Like after that, was it, was it okay finally acknowledging that like you had this major problem and and you needed to start getting better well it was a bit different like i was yeah like i go into more detail about the suicide template on the either on a blog actually or on a video depending on what you want to watch on the site um but yeah but basically i was in like the hospital afterward and in the hospital my emotions were just like completely out of whack but when they went up a bit they actually went to the point of me feeling like relieved to be alive and like happy to see my family again which didn't like last for very long, but like even just having like a faint glimpse or like a little bit of like momentary relief from how like sad and down and depressed I was feeling for the last like few months before that just gave me like a bit of proof 
that like I am still somehow mentally, somehow physically capable of feeling well again. So that was kind of, yeah, like the impetus for me to be like, okay, I got to trust in the process. I got to figure things out. And I got it work to get to that point, like as often as I can be all the time, you know? Uh, so that was more of the, yeah, more the turning point. It was more just not necessarily like reaching a new low, but like finally gaining like trust in myself that all the effort would actually lead me to feeling better. And that I was still capable of feeling better. A, a common theme on this podcast um, and again, this is something you kind of mentioned earlier is how a lot of these struggles for men, uh, like depression, anxiety, yep. substance abuse, whatever, um, they're kind of exacerbated by men's inability to open up and, and share with others. Like a lot of the time men really, really struggle to reach out and say, I'm having a hard time with this. Why do you, two questions, a, yeah. why do you think men in general struggle so much to share when they're struggling or, or what research have you found while working at heads up guys and then follow up? Why did you specifically struggle with it? Um, well, I think a lot of it's the same reasons. Like we talked about a bit earlier, like when you're growing up as like a boy, you learn kind of like boys don't cry. Uh, like showing emotions is kind of like a weakness. Uh, you learn things like that. Um, and then they get kind of so embedded in your character. You don't really even like think about them or recognize them. And that was one of the things I found interesting when I started working for heads of guys was that like we were talking about men's mental health and looking at it kind of from that lens point or from that view. And then I kind of realized that like all these things that were holding me back that I thought were just like part of my character, like Josh never asked for help, Josh never, whatever, were actually things that kind of were shaped by what it was to be a man or what it is to be a man. And then when I started looking at that, I can kind of realize it's like, okay, like, well, why, why do I think it's like weak to ask for help? And then you start to look at it, you start to question those things. And then you realize like the really, yeah, like weakness or strength has nothing to do with whether you're sick or not, or whether you're asking for help. And it actually like, it's the opposite. Like it takes courage and strength to reach out uh, when you're at a low point. So yeah, I, mean, I think a lot of those things are kind of just really embedded in, in our culture and I think things are getting a bit better like there's definitely more conversations about uh, mental health and men's mental health more specifically even than there was like five years ago when we launched the website uh, and I think a lot of athletes are speaking up about things there's been a lot of like NBA athletes speaking up about stuff which I think goes a really like long way because they have like lots of young boys and teams who like idolize them so if they see like oh, okay these guys are are talking about mental health these guys are talking about like even like therapy and stuff like that and it really it gives them that option so that when they get to the point where like me you start to get more stress and stuff maybe they actually think like oh maybe this is what they're talking about i should actually talk to somebody about this rather than just hiding it till it gets worse yeah that's got to be how i mean professional athletes i think are the the stereotypical young male role model right yeah. like as a kid we have a tendency to to really idolize athletes and and look to them maybe as these beacons of masculinity. So it's definitely it's powerful that we have seen this movement uh, of them getting on board and and being willing to discuss their struggles as well. Yeah, I think yeah, it's been there's like athletes from a whole bunch of different uh, sports that have been speaking out. Like Michael Phelps has been speaking out a lot, which is like really good because he's like arguably the greatest like Olympian like of all time. And he's talking about how he was like scared and nervous about things or how he was depressed and feeling like suicidal even. Uh, you realize if it can happen to that person, 
who is like such a strong figure, then maybe it doesn't have to do with strength. Maybe it has to do with something else. Right. So it kind of helps you. Yeah. Helps people like open the door and sort of realize that. Yeah. Like mental health is like a, or mental illnesses are like legitimate illnesses that need to be taken just as seriously as um, like a broken leg or having like high blood pressure or things like that. As physical ones. Yeah, for sure. So how much of the shame that men feel around weakness or vulnerability do you think is internal versus external? Like, I think we have a a tendency to tell ourselves this story that it's a societal thing and that society has told men it's not okay to do that versus the stories that we're telling ourselves, which is that we believe it's not okay for men to do that. What are your thoughts? What kind of held you back? Was it, was it you or was it this societal belief that men just shouldn't talk about their feelings? Well, it's a bit of both, but I think like now that people are talking more about things, it's a bit more open. Uh, There was another group at UBC that did a study a couple of years ago, but they were speaking to men about mental health issues and they found that uh, there's a lot more like internal stigma that men feel towards themselves. So then like there is actually, so like if they're talking about like a friend was dealing with mental health issues, like, would you think less of them? And they would say like, no. But then it's like, if you're dealing with mental health issues, would you think less of yourself? And they're like, yes. So like, there's a bit of a, I don't know, like a double standard that a lot of men are judging themselves by like harsher, yeah, harsher criteria and stuff like that than they would even extend to like their friend. So I think, yeah, part of that is just like more and more people just reaching out and showing that it's okay to actually do this um, and just talking about things. Because I think, like you said too, there is, a difference between the level of stigma just among like society and also like what people individually hold like within themselves. And I think, yeah, what people, you know, the internal stigma is actually probably a bit higher than what is actually there. And that part of, part of that plays into uh, like, if you're not feeling well, then you're going to have like more negative views, you know? So you're it's gonna just going to spiral from there. Yeah. Yeah. So you'll expect people won't react as well. Whereas if you're thinking about a friend, you're, you're wanting to help them. Yeah, it's funny. I I get called out uh, by my therapist for that all the time. I'll make comments in our sessions and he'll say, would you ever say something like that to a friend of yours? And I'm like, no, of of course not. So it's wild to think that we should hold ourselves up above all else. And yet we have this tendency to almost devalue ourselves or speak down to ourselves while we're busy holding our friends up instead. Yeah. And that's one of the things we found too. Sometimes it's easier. Like a lot of guys will have, like they'll want to help others more so than helping themselves. So if you like talk about mental health in terms of like how to help a friend and how to talk to them, then you can actually get guys like more engaged that way than saying like how you can actually talk to a friend. So then hopefully they'll then apply to themselves afterward. Uh, But sometimes it's easier. Yeah. People are more, more open to learning how to help others than necessarily learning how to help themselves. Even though those are like overlapping skills. Yeah, we should absolutely be our own friend first and then yeah. uh, ev- everyone else second. Given your journey through through life and, and the experiences you've had, if there are men who are listening to this who are struggling with depression or anxiety or, or suicidal thoughts, what would your advice be to them? What resources or tools are available to them? And, and maybe if you can share what's, what's worked for you over the past decade. Sure. Um... So first of all, I'd say, like, go take a look at headsupguys.org because uh, there's tons of info in there and 
it'll do much better job explaining things than I could probably do right now. But um, yeah, I would say one of the first major things is just to reach out. So to talk to a friend or a family member, let them know what's going on or make an appointment with a, a doctor to tell them like what's happening. Um, so that's like a first really important step is just to, to reach out and not like hold everything inside. And often even just the process of like talking to somebody just releases a lot of stress and also kind of gets thoughts out of your head. And then once you kind of see them like more, uh, more clearly and get someone else's opinion, they're not so, so scary and overwhelming. Uh, so I think that's like a big one. Um, another thing would be like reaching out is really important. And then like believing in your recovery. So believing that all the things that you're going to do are actually, will actually pan out and will actually get better. Um, like through the uh, through Heads of Guys, we have like a whole bunch of stories. We have like over 50 stories from different men sharing like how they've recovered from depression. And well, first of all, a lot of them have the same kind of um, stereotypes about not wanting to look weak as being reasons why they didn't reach out. Um, but even through all those stories as well, you see like how low people can get and still get better. So I think sometimes when I was feeling like really low, I'd be like, well, I'm, I'm further gone than other people have been, you know? There's no turning back for me or... People, yeah, people don't understand what I'm going through. Like, this is this is way worse. Um, but it's actually, like, a lot of people have gone through feeling that bad. And a lot of people have gone through feeling, like, as terrible as I can imagine. And I've still figured out ways to recover and that you can do so as well. And then I guess the last thing is just um, kind of to take as many approaches as possible. So there's lots of, like, self-help things you can do, like, improve your sleep and get more physical activity work on your diet and things like that and then you can also do therapy like we were talking about a bit or uh, speaking with your doctor to consider medication depending on where you're at um but i think it's good to have like a really like multi-pronged approach because uh, kind of like each of the things that depression affects because it can affect your sleep it could affect your exercise your energy levels and things like that also offers like an avenue for you to fight back against it so yeah, working on your sleep, working on your diet, working on maintaining like social relationships and things like that. Like each of those things will take you a little bit step closer to feeling better. So you just have to have like a really broad approach and then, yeah, stick to it. How much different does your life look now than it did uh, a decade ago? Like how far do you think you've uh, progressed and, and how much work do you feel like there's left to be done? Uh, well, it's completely different, like night and day from what I felt like then. Um, but there's still like work to do. I still have times when I get like more stressed than I would like to get, but, uh, or more anxious than I would like to get. But part of that's like learning to manage stress and anxiety over time. Uh, and then I think also it's like learning different techniques to manage thoughts. So at first I was trying mostly like challenging, like negative thoughts um, but then I found like when I was in a really bad place that like challenging thoughts didn't do, didn't do anything like they wouldn't go away. Right. Um, so yeah, it was good. I was like identifying things, but yeah, trying to just change the thoughts in my head wasn't helping. Uh, and then I was getting frustrated and that was making things worse. So then I started taking more of like a mindful approach where you just kind of like acknowledge what you're thinking about and the negative thought and then just kind of leave it there and then like go on with your day. And I found like that approach to be like more helpful for myself. Um, yeah, but sometimes it's, yeah, 
like I've done like some journaling sometimes I do like well I do therapy uh I think it's yeah being open to like maybe the strategy you try this time might not work as well the next time but you keep on adding kind of like tools to your belt and then you can go through and try like okay well I'm not feeling well maybe I'll write it out and see like if I feel a bit better and then if that doesn't work like okay maybe I'll try getting some more exercise this week um yeah and just keep on using different approaches I know that it's like okay to be using different approaches like each time like sometimes things are a bit different and it's part of the part of the learning process to be like adaptable to like overcome your anxiety and stress that's it's a really great point you make about not fighting what we're feeling I think and that's that's something that I've been working on a lot like I've been I've been sober for five years and and over that five years, like I, I drank, I used substances just so I didn't have to feel things. Like I didn't have to yeah. feel anxious about myself. I didn't have to worry about things. I didn't have to stress about things. And without a doubt, the single hardest thing about sobriety has been just being able to, to sit in those feelings. And yeah. it's still something five years later that I'm working on is being able to acknowledge what you're feeling, maybe give it a word or speak about it to yourself, or like you said, journal, and then yeah. be able to process it and, and move on. It's tough. I think our brains are wired in a way that, that we feel a, a negative emotion and we want yeah. to rationalize it or, or push it away. And that it almost universally ends up doing more harm than good. Yeah, it's kind of like, I don't know. Like we're talking about dealing with a bully, you know, you keep fighting back. If the bully's bully's really mean, he's going to knock you down again. But if you just ignore him, you know, sometimes that takes away his power. Um, So that's kind of like, and it's not always, it's sometimes challenging your thoughts and stuff like that does, does help too. depends how like intense they are. But yeah, I find like being, being mindful uh, and just like knowing like, okay, like I'm not thinking clearly about this. I'm really stressed out about it. Uh, I've already thought enough about it. It's just like, imagine, like, even like I'll try visualizing, like putting in a box, moving it to the side, where can I keep on going for the rest of my day? And sometimes you just have to keep doing that. Like you'll have, or I'll have like days where I do that, like, I don't know, 50 times, let's say, and probably like miss 50 other times during the day when I should have done it too, or could have done it. Uh, but I think it's like, it's also a lot of times like when you're thinking about like your thought process and stuff, you think, okay, well, if I just think about it once and like say I move those thoughts aside then it's done you know or it should be just done but it's really it's much more of a process for like training your your mind to like recognize like the negative thoughts sooner so that they don't get like as out of hand um but it's kind of like working out it's like if you go to the gym once a week it's probably it'll keep you in shape a little bit but if you're doing like a little bit of exercise every day you're going to see results better so if you're trying to be like mindful a little bit every day then actually like it'll yeah it'll make a bigger impact and then it'll get easier as time goes on but it's also like you can't do it twice and then expect results you know you got to like commit for a bit uh and i think that's like one of the things yeah like i still struggle with is like sometimes i'll go through a stressful week and i'll be like okay let's do like some meditation meditation like each morning and then for like three days i'll do it <laughs> like the fourth day i'll be like busy in the morning so i won't get around to it and then I'll stop again. And then like, yeah, I'll start to get more stressed. And then I'll be like, oh shit, I gotta, I gotta get back on that meditation app. Yeah. Consistency and like realistic expectations, but like how to manage thoughts as well. 
Well, it's the same thing. Like you said, the the consistency, like there's, there's a lot of people out there. They'll only go to the doctor or the dentist when something is wrong. Like I used yeah. to, I used to have, I had this situation, my wisdom teeth grew in and I got like abscesses in my teeth. And then I like booked a dentist appointment and two or three days later, they, they went away and they receded. So I canceled my dentist appointment, didn't show yeah. up for it. And this went on for like two or three years where they would keep yeah. like growing in and then receding. So don't only pay attention to these things when something is wrong. If you're proactive and, and you keep at them, I think it can make a world of difference in your life. Yeah, definitely. It's a lot easier to, to manage things while you're feeling like well than waiting to like you're in pain to be trying to manage things. Yeah. Or if you're really gone to be trying to figure things out. Yeah, so sometimes I like, yeah. Like when I'm feeling like really well, I'll just try to take like some time just to like remind myself, you know, like, oh, this is good. Like, <laughs> not feeling like feeling like good is like, is good. Like that's an accomplishment. And it is, you know, like, especially with the, the, over the last year, like, um, I think if, if we can, you know, get out of bed and, and find something to, to feel good or positive about, I think that's a, that's a bonus for everyone. Yeah. Yeah. So looking back on your suicide attempt and, and maybe for people who are listening to this, who are, who are struggling or who have a friend who's struggling, I'm wondering uh, what are some of the warning signs of, of suicide, maybe both internally and externally. And what do you wish you or the people around you had known leading up to, to your suicide attempt? Sure. Uh, well, some of the signs like internally are just, um, like when I look back, there's kind of like a progression of my thoughts. Like I was thinking about like escaping from life or thinking about getting away from like these problems. And then it became more like, uh, like fantasies about escaping. And then it would be like, Oh, maybe someday in the future, uh, like I'll, I'll die by suicide. And then maybe it would be like, it would come closer and closer. And then I never really thought that I would actually like act on it even though I was having all these thoughts. Um, so I think like if you're having like any level of suicidal thoughts, if you're like, yeah, fantasizing about escaping from a problem, like that's kind of like the first like low level of like, of thoughts like that. So just identifying those like earlier on and then realizing like, and addressing them. Yeah. Just addressing them earlier rather than waiting until they get like out of hand. Um, and in terms of like other people noticing things, uh, sometimes it's just like people will say, Oh, like I'm sick of this or, uh, or even they'll say like, I wish I was dead, you know, like kind of offhand almost as a joke. Uh, but sometimes like there is like a little bit of truth, like what people are saying. So you gotta like kind of listen for things like that. Um, yeah. Or you can see like sometimes if somebody's yeah, struggling at work or, uh, is withdrawing, withdrawing a lot, like not engaging socially anymore. It keeps making, like I myself, like I just kept making up excuses when my friends would ask me to hang out. Like, I think I had like a stomach virus, like on and off for like four months, which made no sense. Like that was my like made up excuse. I didn't want to say like, I was dealing with mental health issues. So I was like, oh, my stomach's sore. Uh, which like, they just kind of like eventually knew like something's going on. Like what's, what's wrong, you know? Um, yeah, but then I think, it's also, it's hard to, to know what other people are thinking. That's why it's really important just to talk about things like in general and ask people like how they're doing. Um, and then yeah, depending on your, your relationship with them is to like to follow up with that and see, um, 
Yeah, just like just like, well, how how are you actually doing? Like, how are things going with uh, with your work, or how are things going with your like relationship and things like that? Um, yeah, because all those kind of conversations help people feel a lot more connected, and they can go a long way. I think that's an important thing is to to dig deeper on those conversations too, because I think a lot like it's almost this reflexive approach now where you know, oh, how are you doing? Oh, good, yeah. or okay, and you throw out a one word answer and everyone gets on with their day. Yeah. But making sure you're taking the time to to really maybe dig in and and ask questions, particularly if you feel like something is up. Yeah. Awesome. This is usually our our closing question, and I would love to know how your idea of what it means to be a man has changed, particularly maybe even over the past 10 years. Like if you could go back in a time machine and tell a younger version of yourself what being a man means, what would you say to them? Well, before like I used to think I have to fix everything on my own or like being able to do something on your own was somehow inherently better than being able to do it with someone else's help. Uh, but now I don't really think like that like, at all. I think more like if you're facing like a problem you haven't faced before, then the smartest thing you can do is to ask other people who have faced it. Like, how do they get over it? How do they get past it? Reach out to them. Um, so I think in my head now, like, uh, like what it means to be fine isn't just like a single person working really hard to be the best person they can be and overcome comp obstacles by themselves it's like one person who uses his connections and uses his like social supports to overcome like even bigger things um because yeah when you like combine your strengths with like your friends and stuff or like whatever part of team you're with you can always accomplish more like as a as a group than as an individual so trying to just bear all the weight yourself not only is it like it might seem kind of more manly but it's actually like not the smartest thing you could do and Usually, yeah, trying to bear all the weight yourself ends up like, yeah, just hurting you in the long run, which like then affects like what you can do further either. So I'd just say you don't have to do it on your own. Make use of like the resources you've got because that's what they're there for. And other people will be happy to help you and you'd be happy to help them. So just reach On out. that note, are there any other um, support groups or, or anything that, that you would recommend or, or that you've come across in, in your work or personal life? Well, when I first started getting better, I went to a, like a peer support group that's based out of the University of British Columbia called the Kaleidoscope, and it's still running now. Uh, so it's like a weekly peer support group. And I found that like really helpful because uh, it was like a whole bunch of people kind of like in the same age range dealing with like similar issues, but it was like a safe space to actually to talk about mental health without any sort of fear of judgment. Um, so even then I was like, I was starting to talk about things with my friends, but I would still be like really like nervous about saying things or like, I wouldn't want to say too much. Whereas when I was in this, like the peer support group, I wouldn't, I'd be open, like completely. I'd say like, Oh, I'm having a shitty day. Um, without like worrying about like what they're going to say to that after that. So I think that was like a really, a really important step for me was just to see, like to see and meet other people and see how they're dealing with things. Um, and that group, yeah, that group's still running at UBC. Uh, sometimes it, it can be pretty hard to find like other peer, peer support groups, but sometimes it's worth, just trying out a few different ones. Um, there are some like online, online tools and apps. There's an app called Tether, like T-E-T-H-R, uh, that like the founders are a couple of guys who dealt with like uh, depression themselves and stuff too. And it's like an online peer support group. So they've contacted us before through like heads up guys and we interviewed them. And they seem like a, a bunch of really good guys. Um, 
yeah, but there are like other online things going going on and different ways to reach out like that. Uh, but yeah, connecting with people who've gone through similar things uh, that you can identify with and kind of lean on is is like a really important step. So or even if it's just like reading books or reading something or watching a movie about somebody that you can kind of identify with, like that can help as well. Connect to it. Just, yeah, I think a, a lot of these problems stem from just isolation like feeling yeah. like like we are alone in the world um and uh a lot of the times just even recognizing that that we are not or accepting that we're not can be a huge step towards recovery yeah yeah i think like one of the things even on our on our website we have like a stress test where you can identify like what things are stressing you out the most and then it kind of prioritizes them which kind of like helps you kind of figure out like what to tackle but yeah the two things that get that are the highest, like by a significant margin are loneliness and like a lack of meaning and purpose. So yeah, no matter how lonely you feel, you're not, you're not alone in feeling that lonely. There's a lot of other people out there who feel the same way. Uh, and it's just a matter of like figuring out ways to connect with them. Yeah. So you can help each other out. That's interesting. And I will, I will do a shameless self plug here where in the last episode of this podcast, we spoke with, uh, with meditation and life coach Lou Redmond on, on building a purposeful life. So if you're listening to this and you haven't heard that one, uh, go back and check it out. Josh, I can't thank you enough for, for taking the time to be here with us today and for overall, just, just sharing your story with the world and, and being open about it. I think that is the importance of you doing that cannot be understated like just putting it out there so that people who are struggling or, or going through the same thing can be able to recognize that they are not alone because of you so thank you for that and i'd like to ask if people want to learn more about you personally or about heads up guys where can they go to do so uh so you can go to headsupguys.org uh my personal story is like if you go onto the you are not alone session which is basically our blog you can go to like real story videos and you can find my video there or if you go actually if you go to our about us page it's linked under my profile there to learn more about myself um but yeah but there's tons of info on there like how to reach out uh how to talk to a friend or family member how to talk to a doctor what all the different like self-help strategies are um and there's also information for how to help a friend or family member uh, so there's yeah there's tons of great content on there um and yeah like everything there like we like our team is like myself and dr john grasachuk who's the director of the psychotherapy program abc uh yeah and everything that goes up on the site is like well reviewed and like from like a personal perspective like from mine and from like a researcher and uh therapist perspective from him so we got like a really good like combo uh yeah working on the site so Awesome. And there is uh, an Instagram account, which is how I came across you all in the first place. Yeah. So we're on Instagram, uh, uh, Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, uh, and it's all of them are just at heads up guys. Um, yeah. So feel free to check us out there. There's a lot, you can start a post there and join the community. And even just doing that, you'll see that there's like a lot more, more guys probably than you realize that are talking about mental health. Yeah. And this is an open invitation to anyone who's listening to this podcast. Uh, please be open. If you need to reach out to me, uh, you can do so anytime. I'm also on Instagram at van underscore sober. And uh, let's let's make sure we're looking out for each other because it doesn't make sense to, to suffer in silence anymore. Yeah, couldn't say it better.
All right. Thanks a lot, Josh. Really appreciate your time. No worries. Thanks for having me. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Bribriety. Reminder to rate, review, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And if there's a guest you'd like to hear from, email us at bribriety.podcast at gmail.com or message us at van underscore sober on Instagram. We'll see you next time.